If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 5. There's Bibles in front of you there in the pew. If you were here last week, Pastor Pat kicked off a series entitled New. He talked about how only God can truly make all things new and how he can make our hearts new, not physically, but spiritually, that we can move from eternal damnation, separation from God, to eternal life with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today I want to talk briefly about new victory. The key word today is victory. If you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. We have the verses as well on the screen above if you would like to follow along. It says this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our what? Faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? I'm going to be sharing many verses today with the word faith in there. And I've underlined, I think, all of them. If I didn't, I might have missed one or two. But when we get to that word faith, if you can read the the screen from where you're sitting, I want you to say that with me throughout the message today, okay? Because you see what overcomes the world, church, black and white, plain and simple, 1 John 5, verse 4, the victory that has overcome the world is what? Our faith. Our faith. Now, I don't know about you. Some of you know I'm a sports guy. Okay, I love sports. I still like sports, although I can't play like I used to play. I still love it. Um, but who wants to be on the losing team, right? No, you want to win. You want to do whatever you can to win. You want to have the victory. And, you know, one of my favorite events, uh, sporting events just passed, is something called March Madness. Anybody watch some college basketball? And what I love about it is, at least as far as I know, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's just good, clean, fun basketball, fundamental basketball. And the little schools like Loyola out of Chicago that nobody knew about a month ago is now all of a sudden, you know, Sister Jean. Anybody heard of Sister Jean this past couple uh, months, right? And 98 years old, I believe. Everybody heard of Sister Jean. And they were thinking her prayers and her signs and everything that she blessed those kids, got them to the final four, you know. But as a sports guy, you know, you strategize. You want to know what it takes to win. And, 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 you know, it's really ridiculous what these coaches do watching the film of these teams. And nobody had Loyola Chicago on their radar um, to, to compete with a month or two ago. But yet as they continue to win and so forth, people are wondering, what are these guys doing to win? And they start watching these guys. You know, we have only one opportunity in this life to be put on the winning team. And it's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, it's absolutely impossible to have spiritual victory in your life without Jesus. Do you know that that's a fact that is true? And what proves that is what we celebrated last Sunday. Our faith is not in just some I hope and this and Our faith is in the risen Savior, someone who died, was buried for three days. And then what happened last Sunday that we celebrated? He resurrected. 
All right? That makes Christianity pop in this world. Now, you may be here from a different background, maybe no church or, or um, religious background. I have this book on my desk I was sharing with a lady uh, this week. It's called World Religions in a Nutshell. We were talking a little bit about our faith, and she's been inquiring about the Christian faith. And I said, here's a book I'd like to recommend. It's, it's a, a lot of books that are cliff notes. They're my favorite. I just like the cliff notes. You know, I can't read those books that are, I just can't. I can't get through them. I don't know. Um, but this gives you like, you know, other world religions in a nutshell. What are the basic beliefs? And I was sharing with her that every religious system out there, when you go through them, it talked about um, the Islam faith, Hinduism, Judaism, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, even Catholicism. I know we have people that are Catholic, have a Catholic background. But if you really look at the root of these religious systems, they're about your good outweighing your bad. And you're putting your faith in yourself because you're trying to see, according to their code, what do I got to do to get on the other side into heaven? That's what religion is. It's man's attempt to appease God. What do I have to do, God? And all of these religious systems out there have all kinds of paths. You know, pray five times a day. Don't eat this meat. Um, give this money, put it in the, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's do, do, do. Christianity says done. <laughs> done. Done. It's done. It's done by Christ and him alone. And we're going to see that our faith in Christ, it's just not our faith, because you can have faith in a lot of things and a lot of people, but it's in Christ alone that our faith brings victory. Are you with me? So if you've got an outline, maybe you walked in, you received a little program and an outline. There's a few fill-in-the-blanks. We do that from time to time to make sure you're staying awake, okay? So if you're, you know, you see some blanks, like, i got to better stay awake so I know what to write in here, okay? Um, but number one there, your faith in Christ alone brings you victory, okay? Write that word in on your outline, victory. The earlier manuscript said in this verse, this is the victory that we've overcome the world, your faith. Uh, uh, the later translations say our faith, but if you look back earlier, it says your faith. And let me just emphasize your faith. It's not your parents. It's not your friends. It's not your grandma's faith. It's your faith. When you die and you go to the other side, if God is real and he's standing there and he is going to judge you, it is, you're not going to be standing there as the astute old household. As the Sharp family, as, you know, the Smith family, whatever family you are. One, it says, it is appointed for a man to die once. Hebrews 9.27, and then the judgment. It's not appointed for family. Now, we know families, there's been tragedies where people have died at the same time. But we are one-on-one -on -one with God when it comes to our faith. It's impossible to have victory over this world without Jesus Christ. There's just no way. It's impossible and I, I'm telling you, the resurrection proves it. The only one to defeat death in the grave that we just sang about was Jesus Christ. I'm not putting down Mohammed, Buddha, Joseph Smith, these other religious men. I'm not putting them down, but it's a fact that they're dead. It's a fact. That's, you, I mean, 
many of them, we can go, we could find their tombstones and we can pay our respects. But the grave, the stone was rolled away, the grave was emptied. And over 500 people, the Bible says, and 1 Corinthians 15 records over 500 people on top of the disciples and the ladies that went to the tomb saw Jesus after he was resurrected. Guys wrote about it. Why do you think the disciples were killed? 11 out of 12, 10 out of the original 12 were killed martyred for their faith. Do you think when you're about to get sawed in half, your head chopped off or crucified like Peter upside down, do you think if you weren't sure, you would say, I'm not sure at that time? Why would you go through that? They could not deny it. They saw him. They knew he is the savior. I'm following him. You kill me, kill me. It's a fact. First Corinthians 15, 57. But thank God he gives us what? Victory over sin and death through who? It doesn't end there. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The only way. It doesn't end there. John 16, 33. This is Jesus speaking. If you have red ink in your Bibles, it's red ink. It says, in this world you will have tribulation, Jesus said. But be of good cheer. I have overcome what? Only Jesus has. Again. The only one that's overcome the world. That's why we can be of good cheer. So it's like the suffering that you go through. How many of you have gone through some suffering, some tribulations, some hard times in your family, your marriage, and so forth? You know, I like to think of it this way. I would rather, as much as I, I'm, I'm not scared to fly, but, you know, I would much rather fly to Florida today, by the way, where Pastor Pat is, God bless his soul. I said, you picked the perfect week. He was texting me, praying for you, sunshine with the glasses. I'm like, oh. I said, okay, Lord, help me to respond. Thank you. And that's all I said. Thank you. <laughs> God bless him. Sunny Florida. Snowed like four out of five days this week. I'm like, it's killing me here. But anyway, where was I? I was standing right here. Okay. Um, what was I saying, Sue? Oh, yes. Yeah. Speaking about flying. I would much rather fly a two-hour flight to Florida with some bumps and turbulence and be guaranteed a safe landing then then fly smooth sailing with absolutely no bumps and have a crash landing, possibly die. Think about that for a moment. This world, some people say, man, I just want, I got got to work harder, I got to make this money, I got to do, you're trying to keep everything so smooth, but you almost want to die because you're trying so hard to keep life smooth and you don't realize the scriptures say, in this world you will have tribulation, trouble. Jesus said it, it's a fact. And everybody here, if you're honest, knows trouble happens to us. I don't care how big a bank account you have, how much you pump iron, trouble happens. Sometimes it's a phone call away. We don't even realize it. Jesus said it. We will have trouble, but I've overcome the world. I would rather have some trouble, not that I seek it and want it, and know that my eternity, life after death, is fully secured, that I will be in a place where the Bible says there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more crying, there's no more suffering, forever and ever. 70, 80, 90 years of some suffering, and know that forever, it's all gone? Who wouldn't want that? That's what Christ offers today. 
That's what the Lord offers through his son, Jesus Christ. Your faith in Christ alone brings you victory. Number two, your faith in Christ alone saves you. Saves you. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 8. It's up here on the screen, or will be up here on the screen. There it is. For, your, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You're saved by faith. Galatians 2, verse 16. Look at it on the screen with me. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh, no person shall be justified. That's the word of God. So some of you that have a Catholic background, this is God's word. You, you don't have to keep trying to make God happy by your works and wondering, did I do good this week? Did I do enough? Christianity says you'll never be perfect, so be forgiven. <laughs> Confess. Acknowledge it. You know, I like to think of it like this. It's not faith or works. It's not faith plus works. It's faith that works. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. When you have true faith in the risen Savior, works will overflow. Do you understand? It's a result of a salvation. It doesn't bring your salvation. Does that make sense? Doesn't matter. It's true. Okay? <laughs> Let me step back here for a minute and ask the question, what is faith? Okay, we've read faith. I've said it. We've said it several times here. What is faith? Hebrews 1, excuse me, 11, verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says this in the New Living Translation. Faith is the confidence that we hope for what, excuse me, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So that makes sense. When Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, what does he say? He says this, we walk or we live by faith, not by sight. Now let me back up here and read Romans. This is so in the New Living Translation. I, I love how it's read here. And I put it all for the screen. You can follow along. There's like four slides here because this whole text, listen to what Paul is saying. Some of you here, maybe you're on a, a journey of faith. You're, you're checking this Christianity out. Maybe you came to Easter Sunday and you're, you're not sure. Look at what Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 3 that really brings us home. He says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our in Jesus Christ. There it is again, not just somebody, in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Verse 23, a familiar verse for us. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through who? Christ Jesus, when he freed us 
from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past times. Verse 26, and times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. How many know God is fair and just? Do you understand? Sin was paid for. You wouldn't think a judge is fair and just downtown if you went down there, committed a crime, completely guilty, every security camera saw you convict or um, complete, do this crime, And the guy says, I'm sorry, I'm really a good guy. Here's a couple of my buddies. I just messed up and I stole and I shouldn't have. And the judge said, okay, go. There was no fine paid. You think you're corrupt. The guy should pay his fine. Jesus did not just let us off with no fine paid. No, he sent his son to pay our fine. Everyone here broke God's law. We all have. But Jesus paid our fine. God is fair and he's just. And it says he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in who? In Jesus, Jesus alone. Jesus is the only one who qualifies, church. He's the only one who qualifies. If Jesus walked into that courtroom and paid that big fine, guess what? Now justice is served. And that's what Jesus did. He left God's courtroom, came to heaven, and paid our fine. And I say this again, there's the evangelist in me is coming out. Watch out, okay? But I'll say this again. It's so true. Jesus Christ, he's the only one that paid our fine and the only person that cannot be forgiven. You could be an adulterer, a liar, a thief. You could be a murderer. You could name every sin you want in here, but the only one that God will not forgive is the proud that flips God off and says, I don't need you. I'll do it my way. You will see on the other side, if you go to your deathbed or your grave with that attitude, you're wrong. And that's a very scary thought. The Bible says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You have to humble yourself. If you're not a Christian, you don't know where your faith is, there has to come a point. The Bible says you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's God's word. You have to come a point of decision. And for those of us that have been Christ followers for a while, you know, a walk of repentance is a good thing. Repentance is just not one thing. God brings stuff to our lives attitudes, words, junk, the way we handle our money. He convicts us and we say, oh God, I'm sorry, I'm off. As we read his word, there's conviction. The Bible said that the word of God is like a two-edged sword. It goes deep, it cuts deep. But it's to bring life, it's to bring conviction and it's to get us right with God, right? So as we continue here, verse 27, can we boast then? That we've done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. He's repeating this here. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through and not obeying the law. A few more verses here. Verse 29. I think we had a few more. Do we got a few more? 
slide frozen up there. That was it. Okay, that was my fault. I was cutting and pasting this morning and I, I, I ran off there. So maybe God had that for a reason. But we are not saved by our works. Are we getting that, church? We have that. We're saved in faith, by, through faith in Christ alone. Very clear, okay? Number three here, and this is so important. Your faith in Christ alone, and this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my time here today, keeps you. You see, the faith that saves us is the faith that keeps us. Very important to understand. As Paul said, he said, we live or we walk by faith, not by sight. Church, God designed our lives to be lived only by faith. Did you ever think about that? God actually designed our lives to be lived only by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you want to please God? There has to be a measure of faith in our lives to please him. And this is where American Christianity makes it hard because we have so much sometimes that we don't realize how much we need God for spiritual things. I mean, even if we have no money, we can get food and clothes in America. I mean, think about it. And we offer ministries as a church family, but we have it so well in certain ways as far as materialistically that it is very challenging, I say, to constantly think how much I need Jesus Christ in my life, how much I need faith in him alone. Because life oftentimes is hunky-dory. We're doing okay. We got clothes on our backs, food on the table. Overall, everybody's healthy. So we just kind of rock and roll in life. Okay. And I see it's the grace of God. I'm learning this. It's the grace of God that allows tragedy and trials at times to come in. Because God uses that. And there's tons of scriptures, and I may give you a few here before we go today, that show us, that's God's grace to show us that we can't save ourselves. We need Jesus. Amen? Two key truths that I want to give you here today, and they're there, I believe, on your outlines. Number one, God wants to develop and deepen my faith. Now, oftentimes, I already said, that can come sometimes, the deepening part, through difficult times. Think about it. David Wilkerson once said, David Wilkerson, I'm going to read an excerpt from his book here in a moment. But he said one time when he was in prayer, the Lord whispered to him, I don't build your faith on my answers. I build your faith on my delays. Think about that. You know, you've been praying for God. God, do this. Save this person. Heal this and stuff. You know what? David was going through that season in his life, the great late David Wilkerson. And God whispered to him, David, I don't build your faith on my answers. I build your faith on my delays. Continue to trust me. Hold on. Don't just look at what's going on. Faith is beyond what you can see with your eyes. God wants to develop and deepen my faith. Number two, Satan wants to destroy my faith. I want to read this excerpt from a book David wrote called, Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? The other day, I was cleaning out a dresser next to my bed, and this book fell out, and I don't know how many years ago I bought it, and I just decided, see how it's small? I figured I can read this. So I uh, 
I started reading. I actually read it in a week. I'm pretty impressed, about 150 pages. The font is small, but I read it. Some good stuff here. I want to read a portion to you. David writes this. For those of you who don't know, David Wilkerson, he's the guy that started a ministry called Teen Challenge. You heard Jimmy Jack here. He was one, him and his brother discipled and mentored Jimmy Jack, who was here a few weeks ago and spoke. David, I don't know, seven or eight years ago went home to be with the Lord. But he writes this, God wants so much to be trusted. What do I do when temptation rolls over me like a flood? What do I do when my inadequacies overwhelm me and I see the reflections of my weaknesses? Do I give up? Do I quit? Never. I bring to God all I have left, my faith in him. I may not understand why he seems to take such a long time to intervene, but I know he will. He will keep his word to me. He goes on to say, I am convinced Satan wants to rob me of only one thing, and that is my faith. He really doesn't want my morals or my good deeds or my dreams. He wants to destroy my faith and make me believe God has forsaken this earth. A fall is never fatal to those who keep their faith intact. In spite of continual struggles and feelings of helplessness at times, I still believe my Lord. In spite of despair and pressures that stunt the mind and sap the strength, I believe God. I believe he will keep me from falling and present me faultless before the throne of glory with exceeding great joy. He loves me and he wants me to keep on trusting. So I will accept that love and keep my faith strong. Isn't that good? That's powerful. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Luke 22. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, I'm going to be reading verses 31 through 34. Jesus is speaking, and this is actually the apostle, the disciple, Peter, that he's talking to, who was also called Simon. Verse 31, it says this, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your what? Faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus in this couple verses here, church, is in essence saying, Peter, you're going to fail. Look at verse 34, jumping down, because Peter actually, will read it all, verse 33, Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. God, I'm yours. I am ready. Whatever you want to do, I'm ready. And look what Jesus says in verse 34. He said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you even know me. The son of God is being prophetic here in a sense and saying, Peter, listen, I know you really think you got this all together, but the rooster's not even going to crow. You're going to deny me three times. You're going to fail me. This is not encouraging, but look to your neighbor and say, I am going to fail. Hey, you, you can't say, I saw that one spouse say, yes, right you are. Keep failing me. No, we don't want to joke like that. Church at least, at home, but no. Church, we are. Jesus is saying, listen, you and I, 
He knows that we're going to fail. We have this sinful nature. There's a battle, and we will fail. Do we want? No, we don't wake up. We don't intentionally walk away from God, but we will fail. We will fail in this temple. But Jesus says here, when you fail, I pray that your faith doesn't. And that you will remember, Peter, how much I love you and I care about you. And I believe that this word is for someone here today. Hey, you will fail, but know that I love you. Because I believe the enemy uses this word called condemnation. Do you know what that is? And it, it, it hurts good and godly people. Not good in ourselves, but people that love God. I battle with it at times. Think, man, I'm a pastor of church. I say this or I do that. Oh, and then the enemy starts whispering stuff like, man, you got nothing. Look at you. You can't. And you write and you start to feel condemnation. Listen, God knows. That's why he sent Jesus, right? He knew we would fail and fail. Proverbs, I think it's 16.24. I don't remember the reference, but it says a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. There's that idea. It says the wicked, one fall, eternal destruction, it's over. But you know what? You may have fallen this weekend. Get back up. Today's a new day. You're here. Restore, recommit your faith right now to God and say, God, I am so sorry. I confess that was stupid what I did this weekend. And God, for whatever reason, I'm here. I ask you to forgive me and I'm putting my faith in you. Not that I have to make you happy with my things, but I thank you that Jesus died on the cross. He purchased and paid for my sin. Forgive me, Lord. It's really as simple as that. Church, we have to realize this, that your faith is more important than your failure. Do you understand that? Your faith is more important than your failure. In God's eyes, your future is more important than your failure. This is so important. God looks past your failure and he sees your future. That's what happened with Peter. You know what I found interesting in the Bible? In Mark 16, 37, I love how Mark records this detail when the angel um, speaks uh, at the tomb. The ladies see, there's an angel comes, and it records that the angel says, but go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you. Now, you know Peter was a disciple, but I think that's the grace and the love and the care of God because he knew Peter was probably hurt. I mean, he was so passionate. I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus. Like, listen, you're going to deny me. And sure enough, he did three times. He cursed. He was just, he was a madman. The Bible records in the gospels. And in Mark 16, the angel says, go and tell the disciples and Peter, look for Peter. Let's make sure that Peter hears Jesus is alive, that he really is who he said he is. Peter, you're forgiven. And I don't think it's a coincidence that in the end of the Gospel of John, where Jesus himself has resurrected, and he says, how many times to Peter do you love me? Three times he denied, and God, I think in his grace, is going to say, do you love me? Yeah, of course, Lord, you know that I do. Peter, do you love me? You see, God, he is so good, and he's so great, and he knows you so well, better than you know yourself. 
that he will use people, he will put situations in your life because of his love and his grace to show you his love. And if there's anything that you get here today, it's simply, even in this gathering here today, is that God loves you. And the only way that you are going to have new victory and victory in your life is by faith in Jesus Christ. And church, if you have faith, this is for us too. This is glorious. This, we can realize that we don't just get saved by faith, but it's this faith that keeps us. You know, when we indulge in our flesh and we do things against God's word, we are not at that moment walking by faith. We're not walking according to God's word. We at the moment are walking by sight or our feelings. Do you know three things, and they're not in your outlines, the Lord dropped in my heart? Faith fights fear. It fights fear. If you're walking in faith, fear starts to get lower and lower. And you know what? Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. Let me tell you right now and be as blunt as I can. Your faith will not strengthen if you are not in God's word. Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. I know some of you battle reading like I do. I confess my reading, you know, in accuracies, right? I was telling a lady this week in my office, you know, there's apps now. I have an app on my phone that you can just hit play and it'll read the Bible to you. I told her, try that. Just get God's word in your mind, in your heart, because it's God's word that strengthens our faith, that builds up our faith. And we realize when we start to get anxious about something, our health or this or that, we stand upon the truth of God's word. Faith fights fear. Faith fights feelings of inadequacy. Pastor Pat often says feelings are the biggest liars sometimes or can be in our lives, right? You know, although you may feel all alone here today, according to God's word, you are not alone. You could be single. You could not have been in a relationship for a while or you just have all these issues. You are not alone. That's the truth of God's word. But you may often feel alone, right? And your faith needs to be built up in courage and you need to know that the scriptures say, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is with you 24-7 when you're crying at night and you're, you're frustrated and you want to end your life. You're just done with fighting. You're done with trying. God says, don't, I'm with you. You see, uh, several times in the Bible, there's this phrase, do not lose heart. And in the King James, it's faint not. You know, the Greek word um, for lose heart, it means this, to relax, to become weak or weary in faith, faint, give up the struggle, no longer wait for completion. That's what the devil wants. That's why the apostle Paul and Jesus even said, don't lose heart, faint not. The only way you're not guaranteed a victory is if you give up. If you walk off the court, you walk off the field, you ain't going to win. You got to go to the final, final buzzer. You got to go through the final pitch, whatever it is, whatever sport you're thinking of here today. It's the only way you will not have victory. You give up. And church, I can tell you, there is an oppression that's coming, I believe, in the Church of America of people wanting to give up. Suicide is at an all-time high, and this technology and social media and all these things that we think help connect us are bringing, for our young people, more depression than they've ever known because they look, and they, everything looks so good on Instagram and Facebook, 
I mean, they're perfect. That's perfect. This relationship is perfect. Her hair is great. His muscles, he's so, wow. And we think this is great and this is good. And I'm nothing like that. And depression is at an all-time high. I'm not in full-time youth ministry. I know Pastor Bob would testify. These are realities that our young people are dealing with that my younger generation, I'm between many of you and the youth, okay? I'm kind of in here, right, in the 40s, young 40s. We, we, we just didn't even see this. I mean, 20-something years ago, cell phones, not everybody had them like they do today. It seems like decades and decades, we're talking 10, 15 years ago, teenagers didn't have cell phones. Now it's like, you know, eight and old, it's like, the, the world is connected, but it's led. The de- devil is out. He's not out to just get us to go sin and be bad people. He wants to crush our faith. He said here, he said, Simon, Satan has asked that he may sift you as wheat. This is crushing, crushing. He wants to destroy your faith. But Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. The Bible says Jesus is our intercessor. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He's our great high priest. He brings everything to the Father. We can come through the throne of grace through Jesus Christ and make our requests known. But it only happens through Christ and faith in Christ alone. And I want to just begin to wrap up by telling you this. Feed your faith. It's there in your outlines. Feed your faith. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Feed your faith. Again, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's impossible for our faith to increase and be strengthened without God's word. Impossible. Where are you at in your faith journey? Do you feel defeated here today? Do you feel alone today? Where are you at in your faith journey? You know, spiritual victory... Is never our own. In other words, it only comes through our deliverer, Jesus Christ. You know, there are several passages in the Old Testament where Israel's at war, nations are battling, and this phrase, the battle is the Lord's, is repeated. But David continued because the battle was the Lord's. The battle was the Lord's. The battle was the Lord's. Even the whole story, if you look at in Samuel with David defeating Goliath, David, it's a picture there of our deliverer, Jesus Christ. The battle was the Lord's. He knew it's not mine. It's you. So I'll stand up here at whatever, he's 16 years old. He was a teenager at some point. Scrawny kid. Couldn't even wear the armor that they wanted to put out there to go out there. It was so heavy. He was so tiny. And he defeats this over nine-foot-tall beast of a guy. It's not a fairy tale. I know some of us, we looked at it in Sunday school and thought, you know, with the felt board, oh, this is cute. No, this is... Unbelievable, because you and I face giants sometimes in our lives. Someone needs to hear today, the battle is the Lord's. Stop fighting, walk in faith. Do what he's told you to do today. God isn't calling any of us to be a hero. Instead, he acts as our hero. He's not calling you to be the hero and say, oh, I did this and that. Some of you I know, you, you have been... Um, Sober for years, some alcohol, drugs, some of your testimonies. You're sitting right here today. 
And the thing, I appreciate those programs and what they do and they help, but it's Christ who's your deliverer. If he chooses to use a 12-step program, great. But what's very dangerous about that is you think, oh man, I only made it to step eight and you fall and you've got to put your faith in Christ. You've got to understand he's the deliverer. You see, he allows our giants for one reason. The greater the enemy, the greater the glory God gets with the victory. That's it. The greater the enemy, the greater the glory God gets. He wants to prove himself strong on behalf of his people and to draw all humankind to himself as they behold his mighty works. So no matter how heavy-hearted you are here today, no matter how dim or how low the love or the life in your marriage is, or um, the sickness that's overwhelming, and you feel, man, this is just about it. I can't take it anymore. If you're breathing and you're alive, there's hope. There is hope. And put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's a story I read about, a friend told me about this week. It's about a guy named uh, Charles uh, Blondine. It's this guy in the 18... hundreds, somewhere around 1860, he's one of the guys that did the tightrope over Niagara Falls, and he did a lot of crazy other things. He literally was in a, he, he walked through like uh, over the falls in a potato sack, so I don't, can't even picture that, and I tried, I was going to show you a clip here today of, of certain images from back then, but there's a story that history records of him doing all these things, literally going out halfway over the falls and frying an omelet. He had this stove, and he does all this stuff, and he takes a wheelbarrow across. And, I mean, people are coming from Canada and the U.S. side and just going nuts. I mean, this guy's doing all these things and so forth, brings his wheelbarrow across. And it says that he said, do you believe I can carry a person in this wheelbarrow? And everybody's roaring, and you know what the next question was, right? Okay, who wants to go in? I'll do it. And the crowd hushed. History records, no one stepped forward. We can nod and we can say, yeah, I believe. Yeah, God, he can, he can set the captive free. He can heal the sick. Yes, he can save my soul. Are you going to jump in? Are you going to move forward? Do you really believe? I'm not a prophet in the sense to say, I know it's going to go through your life this week, but perhaps there will be a faith crossroads this week that you're faced with, perhaps even today. And God would say here today in closing, do you trust me? Do you trust me? I feel like the dad with the boy with the unclean spirit. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You feel like that? I do at times. I do, I believe. There's a measure of faith, but God, I know I'm not there yet. Help me believe in more. If you're here today, Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you have no idea if you were to die that you would spend eternity in heaven. You have not publicly put your faith in him and said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. We have a team that's going to come forward here in a moment. And we're going to be available to pray for people that want a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we're also here to pray for people that have special needs. We're believing God's for miracles right here today in this place. We're going to exercise faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone. It's not anything magical. It's just saying, God, your word says this, I believe you and I just trust you. It's like Jesus, the greatest example of prayer I receive from him is nevertheless, Father, not my will, what? But your will be done. And that's what we're gonna pray here today. 
Lord, your will be done. God will heal all of us one day, right? It may be on this side of heaven. You know, this young boy, David, is healed completely whole. And please pray for me as I minister God's word this afternoon. Because I'm ending the service with a picture. I think I saw Rose had it of of this young boy out of a wheelchair heading towards heaven. It's a beautiful picture that I want to just give hope to the people before they leave here today. But if we could all stand here, and those of you that are assisting me with prayer, some of the leaders in the church, if you could come forth and stand across the front. I've asked the worship team to lead us in this chorus. You're my healer. And as we take a moment to worship the Lord here today, any need that you have that you want prayer for, Maybe it's a relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's healing. Maybe whatever it is, I want you to come forward. We're going to pray for you as the worship team plays this course softly. And then one of the pastors is going to close us in prayer. And I pray God's blessings on your life. Father, I thank you for this moment. You ordained this moment. Lord, you have provided victory. And you've provided all that we need through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that people today would step out in faith, step into the wheelbarrow, Lord, and trust you, Lord God, that we would put our faith in action today and know that you are a faithful God. As we worship you through this song, Lord God, I pray that the lost would be found. I pray that the sick would be made whole. Lord, I pray that those that are bound by addiction would be set free. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship the Lord here tonight as we continue. Thank you.